Good morning and greetings from Eagle River, Alaska. This Sunday is the fifth Sunday in Lent, Sunday, March 26th. Our first reading is from the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 to 14. Our psalm is Psalm 130, verses 1 to 7. The second reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 6 to 11. And the gospel comes to us from the gospel of John, chapter 11, verses 1 to 45. I encourage you to take a moment and take a look at those texts before you take a listen to this sermon. Well, peace be with you. Friends, not only is it the fifth and final Sunday of our Lenten season, but it is our first Sunday in spring. And in the lesser 48, especially in the southern regions of the nation, spring has begun to sprung. And I'm sure that in the southeastern part of the region of the nation, that it's blooming with azaleas. And in the southwest, southwest part of the nation, it's blossoming in fresh desert cacti. Yet here in our home in Alaska, we awoke this morning to two inches of fresh, crystally light new snow. I really do love living here, but sometimes it just feels like the icy grip of winter wants to hang on and on. Well, not how unlike our lectionary readings from the Bible this morning. Ezekiel chapter 37 and the valley of the dry dead bones. The psalmist crying out to the Lord from the depths of despair. And the apostle Paul to the Romans states that to set the mind on the flesh means death. And from our gospel reading, we learn that Jesus' good friend and brother to Mary and Martha, Lazarus, is dead. Sometimes it just feels like the icy grip of death wants to hang on and smother us and take us down with it. But there is good news, my friends. In fact, great news. For just as the sun continues to grow longer and longer during the day, pouring forth warm into our Alaskan paradise, our God decides to breathe the breath of life into our world continually over and over again. Breathe the breath of life into our communities and even into our individual souls, reviving us and bringing us to new life. Well, first, let's wade into the valley of the dry bones from Ezekiel 37. A ghastly sight, indeed, that the prophet Ezekiel paints for us. A desert full of dry human bones. Well, obviously, this is a vision of some kind of carnage, uh, perhaps from a great battle that has taken place. The prophet is surrounded and swallowed up in death. Friends, how easy it is for us as well today to look about our own horizons and feel the same. We feel like we're in a desert surrounded by death. There's much to lament, not only in our own local community and surrounding areas, but throughout the nation and the world as well. Just this last week, I was in a conversation which reminded me of the depth of hurt, sadness, and heavy burdens. My sisters and brothers from the military, our nation's veterans, carry with them day to day 
unable to shake the depravity which, which, with which we endured in serving in our nation's most recent conflicts. We too, like Ezekiel, are oftentimes haunted by death. And in this haunting, many are led to believe that life is totally absurd and not worth living, and we give up. But my friends, there is hope. God, our God, does not believe, nor will God allow death to have the final word. As we read from the prophet Ezekiel, Prophecy to the breath, prophecy mortal, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. The God of Israel has lordship over the field of death. And I say to those of us who find ourselves living in a field of dry bones, seemingly surrounded and swallowed up in death, the God of Israel has lordship over you and me, over that field we tentatively live in as well. Listen to God's words then and turn to God and allow the breath of life, the breath from above to flow into that field and then into your nostrils and then into your soul and fill you up with eternal life. Unfortunately, we do not have the time in this short homily to explore the depths of the psalmist who in his song from the depths of despair waits upon the Lord finds forgiveness from his shame and guilt, and then finds redemption and mercy unto eternal life. Nor do we have the time to complete and dive into the thoughts of the Apostle Paul, who after stating that to set the mind on the flesh means death, boldly claims, but to set the mind on the Spirit, and that Spirit is the breath of God, to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Friends, on this fifth Sunday of Lent and first Sunday of spring, I hope you're catching the theme of today's readings without us deep diving deeply into them. The theme that God, our God, will not allow the icy grip of death to reign in God's good world, God's good creation but that God will breathe into those fields of death the breath of life. God will breathe into our lives the breath from above and give us new life and an abundant life as well. We do, however, have a few moments to explore the graveyard at Bethany where Lazarus has been laid. Let me say this first. God does not play games with us. And yet God's ways are not our ways, and God's thoughts are not our thoughts. God's timing is not in accordance with our Google calendar. In fact, in this story, we read early on that the awful grip of death has enveloped Jesus' good friend and brother to Mary and Martha, Lazarus. And yet, after receiving word from the sisters that Lazarus was ill, and for Jesus to come, see him, heal him, Jesus delays for two whole days. The text tells us that indeed Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, yet after receiving the note to come quickly, please come to help, 
Jesus stayed two days longer. Jesus doesn't even mention this to the disciples, nor makes any preparations to return to Judea. Nor does he send a note back to the sisters saying something as simple as, I'm on the way. No, Jesus stayed there two more days. And Mary and Martha in those two days watched their brother die. What was Jesus doing? Well, from the rest of the story, perhaps we can deduce that Jesus wasn't simply playing games with Mary and Martha. I would say that Jesus was praying, wrestling with his father in prayer, and then discovering when and how and where to accomplish the father's will. You see, my friends, in reading this account from John chapter 11, we often think this story is a story about Lazarus. Sometimes we even think it's a story about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. But the truth of the matter is, it's a story about Jesus as well. It's Jesus' story as well as Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' story. In more poignant manners, however, we think we live our lives like our own stories. We think this is my life and I can do with it what I want what I desire, when in fact, the life we live is really not our story at all, but God's story being lived through us. We want to live the story of the ego drama, which is written, produced, and directed, and of course, stars us. That story usually ends up in the field with Ezekiel, or that story ends up crying out from the depths of despair with the psalmist or setting our minds on the flesh, which doesn't really lead too far. Paul tells us it leads us to death. But when we shift from living in the ego drama to living a life in the theodrama, that is a life written, produced, directed, and starring God, we find ourselves full of the breath of life blowing into us from the living, loving, and liberating God of heaven. And so here in this story of Jesus seen through the lives of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Jesus spends two days wrestling with the Father how best to proceed doing the Father's will. We must remember in reading this story that it wasn't too long prior that the religious authorities in Jerusalem actually tried to kill Jesus. So a trip to Bethany, just two short miles from the holy city in the temple, would need to be well-timed and well-thought-out. Even Jesus' disciples in this story remind Jesus, the Jews were just trying to stone you, and we're going there again? And so Jesus wrestles for two days with the Father in prayer on how best to proceed. Two whole agonizing days, I'll say, for Mary and Martha as well. When will God act? We ask ourselves. The prophet Isaiah, in chapter 50 of his book, verse 4, tells us in the third song of the suffering servant that morning by morning he, and he being the servant, morning by morning wakens to listen as to those who are taught to the words of the Father. And so here, two days away from Bethany, Jesus morning by morning listens to the words of the Father. 
Oh, how we too would increase and enhance the beauty of our lives if we as well, morning by morning, sat and listened, pondered and meditated on the words of the Father, so that we too may know the Father's will and go about our lives living that in such a manner. So much more to be explored and pondered here, but we need to jump ahead in the story to Jesus' arrival in Bethany and being told that Lazarus had been dead now four days. When Martha hears that Jesus has arrived just outside of town, she went to him and said, Lord, if... How often you and I have said, Lord, if only... Lord, if only we had found the cancer earlier or... Lord, if only we had held hands, she wouldn't have walked into the street. Or, Lord, if only I had worked much harder. Or, some of us might say, if only a different president had been elected. Or, if only, and you fill in the blank, for Martha, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha knew who Jesus was. We, too, know who Jesus is. Martha more than likely knew that Jesus had taken at least two more days to arrive after receiving her note. The conversation that follows then flows from those two days of prayer. Jesus said to Martha, Your brother will rise again. Martha believes this, but her rather deflated response reveals that the words may not bring all that much comfort. Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Or in other words, Martha says something like, Yeah, I know that, but I miss him, Lord. And if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Martha's not prepared for Jesus' response. Suddenly for Martha, the doctrine of the resurrection moves from the future into the present, from mere teaching to reality and that resurrection arise in a person. Echo of me, said Jesus. I am the resurrection and the life. And those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. Then Jesus said, Do you believe this? Jumping ahead once again, Sister Mary now arrives at the place where Jesus is. And upon her arrival, Mary falls at Jesus' feet and says, Lord, if, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, feeling Mary's devotion, seeing Mary's tears, hearing the mourners surrounding them and then swallowing up Jesus' ears with their lamenting, Jesus, John tells us that Jesus was greatly disturbed in spirit and was deeply moved. Where have you laid him? Jesus asks. And in some bit of irony, they say to Jesus, Lord, come and see. Then John tells us, Jesus wept. What a wonderful God we have, my friends. One who loves us so much that this God was willing and is willing to become a human being, to walk in the muck and mire of our lives, and then to gather with us to weep deeply and bitterly at the grave of our loved one. 
We have a God who intimately knows of our suffering and then is willing to go through even greater suffering as he travels to the cross and then to the grave himself. God's heart is broken with our hearts, yet God's love overcomes sin and death, bringing us love, joy, and peace. Take away the stone. Jesus commands. Now the King James Version translates this next phrase from Martha the best. Martha says, But Lord, he been in the graveth now for fourth dayeth. By now he stinketh like dung. Death stinks. But you see, my friends, Jesus is not just merely a moral teacher, nor is Jesus afraid of death. No, Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. Our God is not afraid of death. In fact, our God breathes into death and brings life. You who walk in a valley of dead bones, you who pray out of the depths of your despair, to you whose mind is set on the flesh, to you I say, come forth out of the graveyard and let the breath of the one who gives life breathe into you that you too may receive the breath of life and live life abundantly evermore. Amen. Amen.